episode, we are speaking with Tim Bailey and Corey Winchester from the Gilder Lehrman Institute for American History. Gilder Lehrman has created an amazing education program that classroom teachers can use based on the musical Hamilton. And we talk about the creation of these materials and how to effectively use them with your students. You can learn more about this program at the link in the episode description. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of the Building Knowledge Podcast. Today, I actually have two very special guests with me, and I'm so excited um, to chat with them, Tim Bailey and Corey Winchester, and they are from the Gilder Lehrman Institute of American History. And I have them on to talk in particular about one special project that they worked on. Um, Gilder Lehrman has a variety of teacher resources um, that they share on their website. But this particular project really grabbed my attention and I've been recommending it to any and everybody that will listen to me and it's their Hamilton project. So Tim and Corey, welcome to the program. Um, I'd like to jump right in. Ask my first question is how did this Hamilton project come about? I guess I'll tackle that one. Um, this so it uh, it came about when Hamilton was still um, in in previews and uh, off off Broadway at the Public Theater, um, and Ron Chernow, who wrote uh, the uh, the biography of Alexander Hamilton that Lin Manuel Miranda used as the basis of uh, of the the musical. Uh, he he's someone that the institute had worked with in the past, um, uh, and uh, in some of our programs, he came to our office and said, "So they're they're making a uh, a musical out of my uh, a and and in particular a rap musical out of my biography on 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 Hamilton." And I was wondering, if, we were wondering if the Gilda Lerman Institute would be interested in doing an education program uh, based on that. And I, I said, whoa, 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 wait, wait, Ron. They are they're they're making a musical out of your biography on the first secretary of the treasury. Like this is a real thing. And uh and he he said, Oh, oh yeah, it's at the public theater right now. So we uh we talked about it, uh, and uh and I said, Well, uh, I'd have to see it to to know if you know there's if there's something in there that we can work with, so I did and and uh, the executive director of the institute and I went to uh, to see it and we had his seats I think we were like eighth row center at the public theater and needless to say after seeing it uh, I walked out saying yes I I do believe there's something we can do with this um, so that's how I mean that's how it it, it originally started and then we met with uh, Jeffrey Sellers. Um, the producer of Hamilton uh, in our came into our offices, and um, it it was it was fortuitous that I had uh, written a lesson plan um, called Vietnam in Verse uh, not too long before that that used music from the Vietnam era to uh, explain what was going on on the home front because I had uh, patriotic songs that were being written at the time, as long as anti-war protest songs to explain the conflict at the, on the home front, um, as well as poetry written by soldiers uh, in country at the time to explain their experience, but through poetry. Um, and I, and I did a lesson with, uh, with, with uh, Jeffrey Sellers and, uh, and said, this is how you can use 
music and poetry to teach history. Um, and he, uh, he stopped and he, he looked at us sitting around the table and he said, um, all right, you're hired. I'll go find the money. And uh, a couple of weeks later, he came back and said, the Rockefeller Foundation has given us a generous grant. Uh, you have until January 1st to develop a program. And that was in October. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so it was uh, it was 24 uh, seven for the next uh, couple of months. And but it happened. Um, and so that's really I mean, in a in a nutshell, that's that's how it all came about. Okay, well, I just have to say kudos to what you put together in like four months. That is amazing. Um, just because we know at the foundation how long those types of things can take. So, wow. Um, I had no idea that that's how quickly you had to turn that around. It's real. And again, people need to go check it out. I'm going to have uh, the link in our notes so that that way everybody can look at this. So do students need to see Hamilton in its entirety to engage with the lessons? No, the, you know, the, 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 the lesson was meant uh, in many ways, and, you know, Corey can, can build on this, but the, the, the lesson was meant to stand alone in many ways. Um, the, 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 what we built was a, basically a research project um, with a, because we build a website that features people, events, and documents um, from the founding era and not necessarily associated with the musical. Right. There are, you know, Abigail Adams is a prominent figure in that era of our history, but she's not in the play. Um, and but you can research her and you can use her as one of your, uh, you know, as your research project and your final performance piece um, in in your, you know, in your final project. So um, seeing the musical certainly sets the tone and it um, it's the process that we wanted the students to replicate is what Lin-Manuel Miranda did. Right. I mean, I talked with, with uh, Luis Miranda's father. I talked with, uh, with, uh, with Lynn and I talked with um, Jeffrey about how did this process happen? And, and with Ron Chernow, how did this process happen that where Lynn, how did he build this? And because that's what I was after was to, for students to try to replicate that that tension between um, between artistic license and historical accuracy, and that and how that how that operates in um, in theater and in you know film and other depictions of history versus the actual on the ground you know uh, facts. Um, Ron Chernow explained it that. Um, you know, it, historical fact is that, um, you know, Alexander Hamilton never went to a bar and drank with John Lawrence and, um, you know, uh, Lafayette uh, and uh, Hercules Mulligan, uh, you know, uh, down in Soho. That, you know, that that never happened in reality, but it happens in the it happens in the in the play. Um, so is it historically accurate? No, but the way that Ron Chernow explained it is, but the relationship between those men is portrayed accurately in his opinion. Um, so the historical integrity is maintained. 
So that tension between accuracy and integrity when you do something in a theater piece versus, you know, writing a biography um, is that, it, and I wanted students to experience that tension. And so some of the activities that are in the curriculum take students through that process of accuracy versus integrity and where is that line? Because then they're going to have to, in the end, they have to create their own um, uh, creative piece that um, displays the integrity of the history, but maybe uh, you uh, isn't as accurate because of what you're doing with it, creativity, you know, and your in creativity. So it's a, it was a process, but you know, I think we pulled it off. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, something that I wanted to add uh, that brings uh, some some nuance here uh, to the question. Um, I think really gets at the the limitations that you actually do have as a classroom educator. Uh, I've been teaching for 12 years and know when you are presented with, here's an opportunity to do something, how it feels like a heavy lift. So, you know, do kids have to watch the whole two hour and 40 minute experience? Um, I only have 203 minutes with my students in a week, right? So um, the answer uh, is, is no. And I think something that I really appreciate about the development of this curriculum is that uh, it is flexible. Um, it is something that you can really work uh, to fit the type of uh, constraints and realities uh, that you experience as a, as a classroom educator, right? So um, it is broken down, it's scaffolded. There are things that you can appropriate given your particular teaching style and pedagogy that do work for you. Um, I've I'm sure that classroom teachers are going to appreciate that fact. And that's what I loved about it coming from the classroom perspective as well as that there were ways um, that you could definitely scaffold it to meet your needs. So being a history buff and an educator, I really loved the primary source analysis piece of this. I thought it was amazing. How did you go about choosing those particular primary source documents? Because I think teachers sometimes struggle with, you know, what is appropriate? Now you lay those out in your lessons, but how did you come about that? So this, this actually is an extension of a program that we had developed um, a number of years before that called Teaching Literacy Through History. And the Teaching Literacy Through History approach takes primary source documents and uses a number of different methodologies um, pedagogically to um, give students tools to uh, address a complex text. Um, and, you know, um, 18th century primary sources, uh, I would put in that category of complex text. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, the the idea being that we they needed to be seminal pieces in many regards. Um, you know they needed to be so. For instance, the one that the the one that Lin Manuel Miranda, the documents he used to create the song "Farmer Refuted." So the exercise in the curriculum takes the you know takes Samuel Seabury's um, argument that he wrote in an in a editorial piece for the newspaper at that time in New York and uh, argued why we should stay with the king. Right. He wrote this editorial piece. Um, uh, a very young uh, Alexander Hamilton wrote a refutation of, you know, uh, of of Seabury's arguments. Well, what Lin-Manuel Miranda did was then he took those two pieces, these two primary source documents um, 
and use those to write the song Farmer Refuted. And so what we have students do is we have students through a strategy um, of breaking down text, chunking text, and then breaking it down for students to be able to do an analysis. We show them the techniques and so on. Um, they analyze that to, okay, here's what Seabury was saying. Here are his major arguments. Here's what Hamilton was saying. Here are his major arguments. So they use that. Okay, now I've got a good idea of those two men's arguments. Now I look at the um, lyrics to Farmer Refuted. And I analyze those for the arguments as portrayed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. And then I can compare and contrast. Is, is uh, Miranda's interpretation through the song reflected in now my analysis of those primary sources? So when it came to selecting primary sources for that um, research uh, page that we built, it was with that idea in mind. They need to be pieces that are have a point to them. Right. The, you know, a lot of times the mistake that teachers make in selecting primary sources for analysis is they'll pick something that has four major points to it and put it in front of the student. And then, you know, expect the student to be able to tease out all of those points. You know, a better way to do that perhaps is to take that document and break it down into one point at a time and let them tease out what's the point in this chunk. All right, now let's now that we've teased that out, let's go to the next chunk. By the when you get done, you've got now here are the four points in that piece. The the thing that that uses though is the most valuable asset teachers have, which is time. Right, it takes time to do that kind of analysis. Um, and when I'm working with teachers in you know professional development workshops and so on, um, you know they tell me, look, I don't have time to spend on that. And I say, you are absolutely right. You do not have the time to spend on that, but you do have the time to invest in it because the skills and the tools you give those students now as an investment by using this time right now to invest in, in them learning how to do this kind of analysis is going to pay dividends in the spring if you'll invest that time in the fall. Um, and so that idea of breaking down text and selecting texts that are that's how that's how those texts were selected and you know for that kind of analysis so i'm going to pivot right now to the actual performance piece at the end and i really love the videos that you have on your site because you could get a lot of inspiration from it um whether it was the video um that highlighted washington and phyllis wheatley i love that one um and you brought up about like how Abigail Adams is not in the play, neither is Phyllis Wheatley, but yet she's a person that you could also, you know, um, research as well as the one with the jazz, like just a total spin on it doesn't have to necessarily be something that is more Hamilton-esque, a rap. It could be something totally different. So I noticed that those were actually on stages that Hamilton had been performed at. Do you ever get videos from schools that want to highlight what they've done that's something very different and out of the box? Well, you know, now we've got, so those videos you're referring to, right? That was part of our Traveling Hamilton education program that went all over the country as the as the musical traveled. Um, with the advent of the pandemic, of course, everything, that all shut down. Um, we're just getting back to that in New York now um with with on stage uh you know getting back to on stage 
but in the mean, in the meantime, we created um, you know a Hamilton education program online um, that could anyone could access, and we actually have a uh, a uh, uh, we actually want people to send their performance pieces uh, from students um, uh, from around the country that don't see the show, that don't perform on stage, that just do the performances in schools or even homeschools, you know, people submitting them from there. You know, I've seen uh, performances from kids standing in the living room. Um, and so um, really uh, having, you know, students submit from wherever they are is uh, is something that we and and we have we actually set up a contest uh, and had students from all over the country in their own schools that didn't see the show that just you know are doing their own thing come to New York to actually see it. Um, so so yeah, we encourage that. As a matter of fact, yeah. Um, this pa- this past May, I actually had a a chance to work with some of the winners of folks who had participated in the Edgerham Online Program. We had folks from all over, you know, Colorado, um, Michigan, uh, West Virginia, who were in New York City, some some of whom for the first time to experience, you know, not just the greatest city in the world, to quote one of the, the lines in the in the in the play, um, but to, you know, see it on Broadway, to see it um, at the Rogers Theater, which, you know, is, is an amazing experience, um, something that. I really appreciate about the uh, overall program is that it gives uh, students, it gives young people an opportunity to to dream uh, and to imagine in the same way that Lynn did, um, which is, uh, again, something that I really uh, appreciate, um, uh, especially as an educator of color, to see, you know, actors um, performing on stage who don't typically have uh, access to these spaces. And so the whole program in and of itself is is really this this idea of dreaming and working towards what's possible. Um, it really gives young folks a space uh, to actually engage uh, in that. Uh, and the curriculum, you know, really provides teachers with an avenue uh, in which to create those conditions for for young folks to dream and to create Uh, with our particular curriculum with core knowledge, there are, there are people that think that, you know, it's just this memorization, um, program and curriculum and they, so they're kind of negative towards it until they get into it and realize that we have so much to offer and we have these cross-curricular connections. And that's why I think this particular project would be so wonderful if we can get every single one of our schools to do this in middle school, because it, it's just a natural cross-curricular connection. So what suggestions do you have for teachers and for homeschoolers? Cause we have a large homeschool population now, especially, you know, with the pandemic um, results, if they're looking to use these materials, what suggestions would you have? Well, I mean, the, the first is to, uh, you know, take a look at what's in there and and see what you know, see what works for you and your you know your students um, or your children. the The thing about the curriculum and and Corey alluded to this is it's very flexible. Um, you know the the idea that it's laid out so that you can uh, you can go through it. Uh, you know, one step at a you know one step at a time. I mean, it's not 
you know, loosey goosey, there is a, you know, there is a curriculum that you can follow. But at that point, you can plug in and emphasize, um, you know, what you would like. So if you wanted to emphasize women in the in the founding era, you could certainly do that. If you wanted to emphasize um, you know, military figures, you could certainly do that. If you wanted to emphasize social change, you could certainly do that. There, there is, there, it's very rich as far as the people, the documents, the events. Um, and so it, you can really decide on this is the course of study I would like to take in looking at the founding era and that, and the stuff is there to do it with. Um, and then, and then, you know, we've also, uh, adapted it. Um, we've adapted it originally it was intended for high school students in Title I schools in New York City. We never foresaw this as a program going across the country. That you know, that that just happened. Uh, I mean, I remember in the the first performance, I was uh, our first time at the Richard Rogers Theater, and I was standing with um Jeffrey Seller, and we were watching, and it was magic. And he turned to me and he said, We've got lightning in a bottle. Uh, this is going to be big. And, you know, when you're talking to a very successful Broadway producer, that's saying something, you know? And so at, right from that moment, we knew we had something. And so, and, you know, if you, if you go in, you look at it, you, and you, and you, like you said, you watch some of those performances of those students, you see the magic and the, you know, what, what can inspire student, inspire students. For me, the most surprising thing to me was the organic, growth of this program in places that students took it that I never anticipated when I wrote it. It wasn't, I didn't see students applying it to their own lives, to them looking at the world we live in now and reflecting it through their performance pieces and reflecting on how these people that lived 250 years ago are like what's going on now or are like me or are like the people I see. Um, that part of it was something that has been astounding to me. Is there anything else that I did not cover that you all think that our, our teachers really need to know? I think one thing that um, is that if they don't, um, if they don't have uh, and haven't accessed Gilda Lerman's website to sign up, um, because not just this program, this is one of many, many, many programs that we have. But if you're not a member, if you're not an affiliate school, um, if you haven't created an account, um, and that's absolutely free, um, that um, you sign up, create an account, and then you gain access not just to the Hamilton Education Program, but to a a huge, huge variety of programming and resources that we offer for free. And teachers always love free. I yeah. always say there's there's so many free resources out there. You don't need to go to teachers, paid teachers. There there are tons of wonderful materials out there, and yours are some of the best. I've I've known about you all for years now. So thank you. And um, I'm going to steal something that uh, Corey said about about letting people dream and dream big. Thank you for creating these materials so that students have that platform to dream and dream big. So thank you both very much. Thank you for having us. Thank you.